You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. This week on The Green Desk, I caught up with Campbell Leakey. He's project director at Predator Free Rakiura. Rakiura, or Stewart Island, spans 180,000 hectares, and the project that Campbell runs is the largest island-based predator eradication attempt ever made in the world. So I've been pretty keen to chat to these guys for a while. About a month ago, they reached a $2.8 million research agreement between themselves and Manaki Whenua, and I got in touch with them to have a chat. Times were a bit busy then, so Campbell and I caught up yesterday to talk about the project, the steps they're taking, and what the funding means for eradication efforts down there. Here we are now. Thanks so much for chatting to me this morning. I've been wanting to have a corridor for quite a while now. So really looking forward to hearing about your work. To start off with, can we sort of paint a picture of the project for listeners that uh, perhaps aren't aware? So maybe where did it begin? And then tell me, what are you up to? So look, in terms of where did it begin, the version of predator-free Rakiura started quite some time ago, uh, depending on who you talk to, at least a couple of decades and for those of your listeners who are not um, aware of the island or the geography that well, Arakiura itself is at the bottom of the South Island. It's about 180,000 hectares if you include the um, many little islands on the outer part of it. Uh, and so the idea of getting rid of the predators off there uh, really started quite some time ago. And in the last sort of six months, it's really picked up uh, a gear or a notch in terms of momentum. And what are the sort of main areas of the plan that you've got in place now? In terms of the main areas we're focusing on, so look, and just to put it into context a little bit, I guess, uh, in terms of that, so the the project itself is looking to get rid of six predators, so that's possums, feral cats, all three species of rats and hedgehogs, off the entire 180,000 hectares. And so that is, when successful, that'll be the largest island eradication of its type uh, in global history, let alone New Zealand history. Uh, and there's a there's a bunch of reasons for that, um, including the, the number of predators that we're trying to get rid of and also the scale of it. But to, for a project of this scale, there are some things that you really do have to uh, nail down or focus on, Francis. So, get, so you have four or five areas. I think that firstly, you've got to find the, the pathway, the technical pathway to eradicate those predators at this scale. Uh, and when it hasn't been done before, you're not talking about having a template or something you, you can follow from start to finish. Mm. So you really are charting your ground and, and you've got to drive uh, innovation because business as usual simply won't do it. So the first thing that I would say is uh, really you've got to um, eliminate the predator pests. Um, so that's the first major area we're focusing on, and that's the technical, well, how, to, how do you do this? The second area would be probably around, it's really what we call protect. And so once you've succeeded in getting rid of the predators, the reality is, Francis, that's only the start of the picture because you've then you've made a massive investment to get there, but actually you've got to stop the predators re-establishing because there's the risk they'll come in um, via um, you know, uh, ships or, or other means. And yeah. so you've actually got to have a way to protect your investment. And so that's really about how do you detect predators at very large scale, but at extremely low density, because you, you'll have them if they come on at very low density. So really, the second area is probably about how do you protect the investment once you're successful in getting rid of the predators? I guess um, the third area would be, so projects of this scale, you do them for a reason. Uh, and the reason is they bring a wide range of benefits. It's not just about getting rid of the predators. It's actually the benefits that are brought by doing that. 
So there's a wide range of potential benefits here. There's um, cultural benefits around mahinga kai, uh, rongoa uh, harvest. There's potential tourism or economic benefits from increased uh, visitors as a result of the, you know, really a unique status globally um, on the island. There's also a, a project of this scale um, needs infrastructure to be delivered. So there's opportunities to support the local community um, needs that they already have around infrastructure where it aligns to the project. So the third area we're really focusing on is about people, uh, and it's about enabling those people who either live in the area, who are connected to the, um, you know, to the island itself in some way, to realise some of their aspirations and visions as part of the overall journey of the project. Mm-hmm. So that will probably be the third key area. But look, the fourth one is probably uh, just straight up funding. A project yeah. of this scale is really, you know, it's a, it's large and it requires significant funding to to achieve it. So the fourth one would definitely be funding. And and how long is the project expected to take and and to cost as well? Yeah. So look, in terms of the how long it's going to take, that really depends on a couple of things. And the first is finding the technical pathway. So being clear on what the solution is to get rid of the predators across the entire island and the other islands. And the second critical thing, so actually this is really about people. These projects really are about people. So it's about how do you take people with you uh, so that they understand, support and participate in what's going on. So the how long it takes question will really come down to how quickly can we find the technical pathway and bring a whole range of people along that journey so that they are comfortable with whatever that solution ends up being. One of the goals that we've got potentially is to be able to start doing the eradication by sort of mid-2026. But the huge caveat around that is the two things I've just given. It needs to have the social support to to do that, and you've got to have the technical pathway. And how are you working at getting people on board, like with engaging with the community down there? What does that look like? Yeah, so look, uh, there's a couple of things here. Firstly, the project's been going for quite a while, so there are already quite a few people who are aware of it and are engaged into it. There is a difference, though, between people being engaged into a vision of what's possible and people understanding when you get down to the operational detail of how things might happen, you know, understanding that and um, supporting and being comfortable with that. So we're we're engaging with people across a whole different range of things um, through different mechanisms, we're going to be engaging uh, very closely with Naitahu, uh, but there's a, there's a wide range of groups on the island as well. Uh, there's people who don't live on the island, um, but are very interested and go there for um, holidays or recreational purposes. Deer, deer hunting is a very good example of that, actually. So there's there's a whole bunch of things we're doing uh, to to bring people on that journey beyond the point of just agreeing or seeing the vision, but participating in the, well, how do we get there? I understand you've recently had some funding. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what that means for you guys? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, look, we've, uh, firstly, we've got a couple of key uh, cornerstone funders at the moment. The first mm. is the Department of Conservation. So they've put up a million dollars a year for the next four years as a fundamental commitment to enable this project to succeed, and that's a really uh, important cornerstone. Uh, but the second, um, the announcement just recently was with Manaki Fenua who are one of New Zealand's, or who are New Zealand's leading Crown Research Institute around biosecurity, biodiversity and land-based research. So they've committed uh, alongside the project 1.4 million of their money over the next four years. Uh, and that means we've got a, 
Well, firstly, we've got a, a partner who has incredible expertise across the, the stuff. We have the questions we need to answer, Francis, mm. things around the biosecurity and biodiversity. Uh, so that having them on board and their wide range of science and research skills is, is fundamental to answering some questions we don't know. Uh, and secondly, they put up that money um, because they can certainly um, drive a really big difference in terms of research. And I guess we've spoken about sort of the the length of this project and the fact that it's it's going to take some time. So what is the focus of your work at the moment? Uh, the focus if I, it's two things, really. It's fundamentally about people. So it's uh, reaching out across a wide range of individuals, organisations and groups mm-hmm. um, and connecting them into the project um, so that they can understand what's going on and if they would like to participate in it. So people is really fundamental. The second one is funding. So we've got some core funding and uh, supporting partners um, at the moment, but the reality is when you try and do something that hasn't been done on this scale before globally, you know, we're going to need additional support from partners to be able to drive and get the goal successfully. Uh, since you've taken on this role, do you have any personal stories um, of what change is looking like as the project unfolds that you'd like to share with listeners? Oh, so I think, um, well, hey, I've got one experience I had out on uh, Rakiura. It's quite an amazing place, actually. It's certainly, I'd, I'd say it's a place where you get unique experiences. Mm. Um, and this might not be directly to your question, but it is a personal experience. So my partner, Kate, and I were out uh, on the island uh, about six weeks ago. And we were staying in this the Mamaku Point Lodge, and we were visited by a cat while we were in the lounge of the lodge. And, the, and they're quite intelligent-looking birds. And this bird comes up and taps on the window and looks at us in the lounge and effectively as if to say, feed me. And, of course, when we didn't get up and feed it, it literally went to the next window, knocked on the window, looked at us again and said, feed me. And it did that four times and hopped around different windows. It was just such a hilarious experience and, and just a really good example of I think the sorts of things you can get from Arakiura but look uh, in a general sense what we will see and what we're starting to see is people getting much more involved in the project Um, and so that's going to be um, a really important part of the next uh, sort of like 12 or 18 months in the future so uh, Rakiura is actually a biodiversity hotspot. So there's a huge amount of biodiversity there, not just birds, but all sorts of things, lizards, um, a wide range of different things. But for example, some of those uh, species are actually at risk of extinction. So the southern, southern doctoral was a good example. So what we're going to see from the project is a massive increase in biodiversity and bird life. It'll be highly visible. Over time, you'll have large flocks of birds um, of all sorts of different types, just literally, you know, going across, flying across you as you're walking down tracks and things like that. So it's great now, but it'll be even um, more notable when you get to getting rid of the predators. That's certainly something you'll see is huge change in the biodiversity and bird life. And if listeners are keen to help out with the work you're doing down there, I mean, obviously, if they're lucky enough, they could perhaps come down and visit, but is there anything they can do from from afar? Yeah, there is. So look, this this always comes back to people, Francis. And I know I've I've made that comment a number of times, but it really does. Mm. So what I'd say is, look, if you're interested, connect in with us on our Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook. And and basically a lot of the activities and things that we will, um, you know, be involving people in will be on that. And just by uh, support like that, you can make a difference. 
For those listeners who might be interested in funding, we'll connect with us uh, via the website page. There's an email link there, and we'll take it from there. But fundamentally, talking to people about the project, supporting it, even if you're afar, because this is a chance to change what we can do in terms of conservation and biodiversity in New Zealand. So your support ought to make a real difference. That was Campbell Leckie, the project director at Predator Free at Akiota, chatting to me about their work down there. That's it for the Green Desk. Thanks for listening and mātewa. That was Green Desk with Frances and she was speaking to Campbell Leckie about funding for the Predator Free project on Stewart Island. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.